Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Writes St. Paul to the Corinthians. Proclaim it with love for family and friends. Proclaim it in courageous words written and actions taken to right systemic wrongs like racism, sexism, economic and racial inequality, environmental predation, and gun violence. Above all, proclaim the gospel, the good news of our salvation, of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, here in this church, these three holy days we call the Triduum. For here, in the sacred stories and the sharing of bread and wine in Christ's name, God will surely bless us with grace to live fearlessly, hopefully, and fully as children of God, free from the burden of our sins, free from the fear of death, transformed once again more and more into a servant and witness of our Lord who rises from the dead. In sacrament and service, God sets us free to live with hope of new life in Christ from this day forward. Today, a feast of scriptures and shared bread and wine blesses us. This last night before Jesus' death. For we remember, we remember in scripture God's Passover in the land of Egypt. Jesus' institution of the Eucharist in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And Jesus' washing of the disciples' feet. Remember the stories of Jesus passed down through generations in richly colored stained glass windows like these, sculptures like these Stations of the Cross, hymns composed by poets and musicians centuries ago, and in every community gathered around a cross. We remember his death, and Jesus is present. Our faith grows a little bigger. Our trust buckets, like streams this winter, overflow with grace. And our lives shine brighter with hope and love. Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For many of us, thinking about death as something worthy of proclamation is anathema, if not frightening. When I was six years old, my father came home from work early, driven by a co-worker. He went to bed, the doctor came to our house, and the next day my mother somehow found a way to tell me and my three-year-old sister that our father had died. It was his heart. That began for me a long era of fears, especially of death. And for my mother, a grief so profound, she could not speak of my father for years. In my 40s, which was the age my father died, I drove from Boston to Brooklyn to visit my father's grave. I tried to remember. I hungered for stories of him and our family. I called my mother, then retired with my aunt in North Carolina. And she planned a weekend for us, beginning with a box of sepia photos, then silent movies my aunt had taken way back then in the 1940s, 
and stories, so many stories. I learned he sold his beloved sailboat by the suburban house where we had just moved a few months before his death. We remembered, we cried, and we celebrated how blessed we were to have had him in our lives. Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, exclaims Paul, remembering the passion story he heard from other disciples. After all, he was not there at the Last Supper. Disciples who witnessed it, including Luke, Matthew, John, and the communities they founded, remembered Jesus. They remembered because Jesus loved them with a love they had never known possible. Jesus' love dispelled the shadows of their lives, swept away the ashes of their mistakes, and restored hope for a reconciling peace among all people. Love brighter than the sun. Jesus loved even strangers they met on the road. Sinners, outcasts, and people who never thought of God before. Love unknown, as one hymn puts it. They remembered and passed their stories on to Paul and others. This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Because of their proclamation, we remember the eternal covenant that Jesus makes with you and me. Promises of justice, forgiveness, peace, and love not etched by God on stone tablets, but promises written and rewritten in our hearts whenever we seek God in word and sacrament, whenever we remember his life and death and proclaim his resurrection until his coming again. Because we are human, we may forget Jesus' love. I know I have, in the dark of a sleepless night, in floods of human suffering I see around, in my hunger for more and better stuff. We forget who Jesus is, how in his short life he challenged cultural norms that sustain the social castes of Greek and Roman societies, or of religious hypocrites who valued over love, perhaps like you and me, youth, idealized physical bodies, and secular signs of achievement, of power, wealth, and privilege. Hear his words to the crowds who gather to hear him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will <coughs> inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Jesus never met a wall of privilege, wealth, or power he wouldn't topple in the name of justice, peace, or love. Thomas Akempis, a 15th century poet, wrote, O oh love, how deep, how broad, how high, beyond all thought and fantasy, that God, the Son of God, should take our mortal form for mortal sake. For Jesus loves broadly. He heals Romans, Gentiles, and Jews, young and old, physically or mentally ill, people disabled from birth, widows and orphans, men or women, and he never questions someone's gender identity. Jesus honors with grace people who never get it and don't expect it. Remember Zacchaeus, the tax collector who climbed a tree to see Jesus? Because Jesus reveals systemic evil to those in power. He loved those whom others despised or pitied, and he walked the talk of love. He was betrayed and handed over to death. We may find it hard ourselves to speak about the death of bodies, our own or our loved ones, but Jesus was unafraid, uncertain perhaps whether he wanted to go through it, but unafraid to prepare for it. Fearless in talking to his disciples about it and how to live after he had left them. John says, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them enough to prepare them to lead a bold, fearless, loving life. He prepared them to die to self as he did to live sacrificially for others as he did for you. He prayers us to live with hope of eternal life after death, not only of our bodies, but of hopes and dreams we may never attain. On the night before his death, Jesus prepared the disciples to live, to live life to the fullest. For his death and resurrection would mean new life for them and for us. At the Passover, God tells the Hebrews, this month shall be the beginning of months, a new year. Like the Hebrew people at Passover and the disciples before Jesus' death, we gather here for a feast to nourish us for our journey into new life. We remember the life and death of God's Son, Jesus Christ, with thanksgiving and hope of his return. This ritual of word and sacrament is for all who seek God's face. Our agape supper and Eucharist are as countercultural today as they were in Jesus' day. Meals for all, regardless of invidious distinctions like wealth, power, or privilege. On this last night, Jesus also prepared the disciples and us for our responsibilities as children of God. For covenant with Jesus requires our promises too. Modeled that night by Jesus' washing of the disciples' feet. 
This humble act of hospitality was women's work, servants' work. Yet Jesus, Son of God, picks up a towel and washes feet. When Peter protests, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus replies, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. I imagine Peter has in his head an idea of Jesus like a Roman king or royalty who would be above this menial task. But Jesus promptly shatters that illusion. Invidious distinctions among Christians or between Christians and people outside the faith are hurtful. Jesus even washed the feet of Judas, didn't he? Jesus is not a king set apart as royalty, and no one is above serving others like a humble maid. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Today, like St. Paul, St. John, and all who remember the eve of Jesus' death, we remember. We remember his sacrificial love, becoming one of us, healing, forgiving, and getting in good trouble with systems of injustice, then giving his life that would remove our fear of death and the burden of sin. Even facing the cross, Jesus had the strength and wisdom to teach the disciples and us how to embrace life with those same gifts, courage, hope, and grace after whatever deaths we grieve in our own lives. We give thanks for the bread and wine of his life poured out for us. We pick up towels and wash one another's feet in loving service. For in remembering Jesus and those we love and see no longer, we remember who we are and whose we are. We are part of them, and they are always part of us. So it is with our remembrance of Jesus. In the words of St. John, we abide in him and he in us. I invite you to join us these precious three days as we celebrate the wisdom of St. Paul. Proclaim his death until his coming again. <laughs>